Welcome to the 21st Century Physio Podcast, helping you bring your practice into the 21st century with the latest technology news, research reviews, and easy-to-implement practice tips. Now, here's your host, Stephen King. Welcome to the 21st Century Physio Podcast. Today, we've got Dave from Melbourne HR joining us, one of my good friends and someone who I've wanted to get onto the podcast for a bit of time now. But in these difficult and challenging times that we're seeing around the world, I thought there's probably no better time to find the man who can really help guide us through about the right decisions to take in our business over the coming months. So I really thank Dave for giving up his valuable time in what is such a busy period for him to join us on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and Melbourne HR. Yeah, sure. I mean, for me personally, uh, I started life uh, joining the Royal Australian Navy. Uh, I joined it as a maritime warfare officer. So my job was to lead and manage people on a ship, effectively to control the ship uh, on behalf of the captain, um, because the captain has a lot of very, very, very important things to do. Um, and so he can't be on the bridge controlling the ship on a day-to-day basis. And that was the, the job of his maritime warfare officer. Um, so that's sort of where I guess I cut my teeth in people and culture. Uh, and I left the Navy after just a bit more than nine years. Uh, and then from there, uh, I joined a, a HR tech startup, uh, which was really interesting. Like I hadn't been involved in the tech side of things. So that was totally new experience. Um, and, and a lot of fun. Um, and But at the same time, after a couple of years of that, I, I kind of realized that uh, the consulting that we were doing alongside the product was kind of more interesting and was getting more traction with the clients than the tech product itself. Um, so that's when I rolled out and created Melbourne HR and, and with a strong focus on helping small and medium businesses. And, you know, one of the things that I guess makes HR, uh, Melbourne HR different is that when I was in the Navy, uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's a massive ship, massive warship or a small patrol boat. Um, you know, it was always, it was always run in a professional manner with good processes, um, good systems, and the expectation of the professionalism and the skill sets was always the same. Um, uh, but the smaller ships were a bit more personal and because there was a small group of people. And what I found in um, the private space is that, you know, whilst the smaller companies were more personable, um, you know, you also saw a reduction um, in the professionalism of process. They could be very good technicians and very capable in and of themselves. Um, but everything that connected them, all the little bridges and connections and that linked them together, um, weren't necessarily of the same grade that you would find in a larger company. And so that's why I created Melbourne HR and um, all about trying to get um, that sort of level of capability or, or professionalism in an organization. And that's primarily centered around people. Um, and that's the sort of journey Melbourne HR has, has done, uh, done since. Um, in terms of what we do, it's pretty broad. Uh, HR is actually a pretty broad service. Um, it's, you know, it's everything from, you know, talking to an employee about poor performance, which I'm sure is the first thing that everyone thought of. We definitely do that. Um, but, you know, it goes all the way through to companies saying, hey, um, you know, we think we grew incorrectly. We think we've just added people or there's something not right about our organization. And then, you know, looking at how everyone fits together and making that assessment, you know, which is sort of more of a structural, uh, structural concept and, and everything in between, you know, all from contracts through to, to, to structure, through to performance systems, through to lots of different things. So it's a pretty broad field, I think. Um, but yeah, and I think what makes Melbourne HR different is, is definitely our focus on small and medium. 
Fantastic. And I can definitely vouch for that. Obviously, having had you on board since our very first hire uh, a number of years ago now, and, you know, that was really uh, short, you know, reassuring having someone like yourself there uh, to help us along the way. But obviously, you know, without maybe going to some of our, uh, you know, maybe mistakes along the way, but I know you've worked <laughs> with a number of other small businesses and healthcare providers. What are some, you know, typical mistakes you see that uh, small businesses and healthcare providers make uh, in regards to, you know, dealing with their team? Yeah, right. I mean, I think, look, healthcare, I think, is is quite a unique field, um, and it's probably similar to the legal profession. So the health sector and the legal profession um, demonstrate some very strong parallels. Um, so one of their biggest um, pain points is they're actually not structured how every other business is structured. Um, and, you know, on an all business, you'll have, uh, imagine like a, a factory making paper clips, which is always if anyone's gone on a business subject, it's always talking about paperclip factories. But the, um, imagine you were making paperclips, then you know there'd be there'd be someone sitting down there making paperclips. You'd be hiring contracts to maintain the machines. You'd have managers at the top, customer service people, uh, general admin, and accounts, all that sort of stuff, right? It's a whole blend. The problem with the health industry, and the same as the legal industry, is that actually that completely doesn't apply. Um, and that's that same mentality does actually apply to almost every industry, but health and, and legal are very, very different. So the person who makes those paperclips is also the manager of the business um, and, is, and is possibly even also uh, a part owner or the owner of the business. Uh, and that's a hugely unique structure because what it means is, is the person making the paperclips, um, they're also their own boss, their own manager, um, uh, which means they're in charge of their own productivity. Um, and they also have to make paper clips, but also they have to keep talking to um, accounts and customer service and marketing and doing all these things as well, which is so unique for that business because you 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 think of management as possibly just sitting at the top of the the mountain um, looking down, but actually you know doing good management is about making decisions, understanding the business, getting all that raw data and information. Um, uh, and then and then spitting out choices and, and then following those up. And that's actually quite hard when you're sitting on the machine making paperclips. <laughs> and, and so that's, you know, and you find this in health and you find it in legal and it is, it is something tremendously unique um, uh, about those two industries from a structural perspective. Um, and it also makes it a little bit of a challenge. It, it means that, um, you know, these organisations really do need to, um, invest in in people who can sit alongside them um, to be co-managers. Um, so, you know, if you're very, that makes sense instantly, people are going to be like, oh, but, you know, I only have an organization of five people. How do I, you know, what does, how, what does that mean to me? Well, unfortunately, what it means to you is that, you know, when, you, when you're picking someone who's, say, a medical receptionist or you're picking someone um, who's going to do some work, uh, some work and accounts up front, um, you know, you have to start looking at those people and going, well, you know, have we invested in a little bit of, you know, leadership here? Have we invested um, in, in, in an ability to take some stuff off my shoulders? Um, and that's really important because every business person um, who starts a business or has a small business, they realize that they actually have many hats. And as the business grows or it changes, the size of those hats can change. Now, in a normal circumstance, when a business grows, you know, not legal or health, um, you know, as the hats grow bigger, you discard them. So you hire somebody else, they take one of your hats. Um, and, so, and so that is a, a very natural process. 
uh, or it should be a natural process. Some people stuff it up, but it should be a natural process. <laughs> and then, um, and and so, but with with health and legal, you're stuck. There's always that hat you always have to wear, and that means that your your number of hats you can possibly keep um, uh, is actually less than somebody else because one of your slots, one of your hats, is is always taken up um, with you know with doing the work, with being on the tools, as people say. And when you're small, being off the tools uh, is, can be very expensive. As soon as you're off the tools, you have to pay someone to be on those tools. Um, and that can come with commitments. Um, you know, and suddenly you don't have enough hours for that person, but you've committed to so many hours and, and all these other things that come into being um, into hiring someone. Um, whereas if you do it yourself, it's, it's very easy. So when it comes to people in the health sector, I think the, the primary challenge um, is always understanding the uniqueness of their industry. Um, because unless, until you do, and until you apply that uniqueness to every book that you read by every guru of, of life and business and property investment that you've ever read, um, until you, until you apply that lens, you're always going to come up with the wrong answer. You'll always come up with the wrong business solution because you're still thinking it's a paperclip factory, um, and that you're a manager. And um, yes, but you're, you're on the machines and that goes to the highest levels. You look at a high-end law firm with 50 people and we have clients like this, um, you know, they're, they're best people, they're, they're most senior people, the people who are effectively the, the, the CEOs of those firms, um, they're talking to clients and they're typing out letters um, because that's what they have to do. That's, that's, that's part of being on the tools. Um, and, you know, the, in the medical space, you know, they, oh, they've done some crazy things in the actual, uh, in, the, in the medical space in terms of, you know, they've had doctors progressing to head up hospitals and they've walked away from that. Uh, and they've hired commercial people to be heads of hospitals, CEO of hospitals. And now they're swinging back and they're trying to get doctors prepped to do that and, and to change that whole dynamic because these people are coming from other sectors and they, they don't understand or they don't have enough depth of knowledge in the field. So it's, I think that's something that very unique in health and very unique is that you, you really have to understand the very particular lens of it. Um, you know, if you're out there and you, you have your own practice, um, you've got to sit there and go, well, you know, I can't just hire more of me and then stand alongside them and work, or I can't just hire, um, I can't just hire people and then sit above them and 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 have and and say for them to do all the, the on the tool work because the economies of scale at a on, a on a single practice won't work they simply won't work so you you need to sit there and, and actually look at it from a different lens and go well actually what i should be investing in is is some management or supervisation skill to take that component off my shoulders and therefore i become a bit more of a strategic manager and i have a day-to-day um, and in fact, you can actually see this paralleled in some really traditional um, uh, general practice clinics that actually run um, a, a practice manager. And it's, it's, you know, it's happened for 100 years um, in, in that GP space. Um, and it's worked. And it's worked because it's allowed um, the people who can earn the most money to focus on earning that money. Um, now, when you're in a smaller, doctors have a whole bunch of advantages in the fact that they charge so much and get X, Y, and Z from the government. Um, so, you know, as a physio, um, particularly in that space, you know, you, you don't want to mimic that exactly. And I actually think it's a little bit inefficient 
what you want to do is sit there and, and invest in some people who can help you. Um, uh, not just fill out paperwork, um, not just make sure appointments are going ahead, um, but to take that next one, two, maybe even three steps um, and take more off your shoulders. I think that's, I think that's very important. And what are some of those key things that you'd look to get them to take off your shoulders as a physio owner? Yeah. I mean, I think um, for a start, you know, business admin um, is, is hugely important. Um, but, you know, it does take up a, a whole bunch of time. So even, even down to things like, okay, you know, you need to roster your, um, you need to roster, you know, a bunch of physios because you have, say there's four of you, one's the owner, there's three, um, uh, three employees, and then you have the support staff. Um, you actually want um, someone to be rostering and, and rostering, not just putting people on, um, but also thinking about how many appointments they have, like how many appointments um, those three people have and roster them up. Accordingly. Um, you know, you want that same person to come back to you and go, I actually think we should change our days or hours um, because of this reason. And, um, and that's, it's, it's actually, uh, before I go on, uh, one of the things I'd like to say is there's this really interesting concept when it comes to um, uh, uh, women and housework. Um, and it talks about mental, uh, it talks about mental headspace. And it says that because women have to think about chores at home and then have to assign their husband chores at home, that thinking about it and the assigning and the reminding is actually a chore in itself. Um, and it's actually very hard. It's actually one of the things that people, it's, a, it's an argument used, uh, a very valid argument about how, you know, um, it hasn't actually changed for women at home because they're still having to remind people to do chores. They're still having to say, go do this, go wash that, go do this. And it's talking about headspace. And it's actually the same for business owners. It's fantastic in terms of its applicability because if you're a business owner and your headspace full of like, oh God, you know what, you know what was that? Was that AIS submitted or wasn't it submitted? You know why does why does last month's um, AIS why is that larger than this month's AIS? What happened there? Um, so you know one example is the rostering. Another example is ensuring that you have an accountant and a bookkeeping function. Um, that can provide analysis for you so they can present analysis to you, take that headspace away um, so that you can concentrate on making decisions, not trying to suck up information. Um, another example is, you know, uh, you'll be writing to, to your customers about something. Don't write to your customers about something. Um, you know, um, uh, sit there, record it on a, a recording device and, and pay someone else to write it out. It takes time and energy to teach them how to do that. It takes time and energy to make sure it's correct because you're going to have to look at that those first few times. But once you have these processes um, going, you can start stripping away those tasks. And it's the little things. Don't think about tasks that are important because you will do those. What you need to think about are tasks that are time consuming. And they are genuinely not actually the most important ones. Um, even down to... Um, Oh, God, I mean, I think when it comes to physios, even down maybe even to completing notes on a particular um, client or patient, you know, if you've got several patients in a row, you know, you might instead want to look um, at getting someone else to complete those notes if you just talk about them into a mic. I mean, it's a simple suggestion, um, but it, it's, it's something to think about. It's to get your brain moving in the right direction. Uh, I can't tell you everything that you should change because I'm not a physio. And therefore, I don't know all the tasks and, and, um, and hurdles that you have on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. 
Um, but what I can say is think about things that um, take up time. Um, think about things that you don't like doing as well. Um, and one of the things I always taught was to pick repeatable tasks. So tasks that um, are constantly, you constantly have to repeat, as simple as paying people. You may, you may get someone else, you may, do, you may do all your own payroll, or you may get someone to do part of the payroll, um, and then you do the other half. Um, you know, get that out of your hands. Get someone else doing the payroll. Get someone else looking at all that sort of stuff. That's hugely important. I think that's some great points. And I think a lot of physios out there will be happy to say to, you know, to replace or um, get someone else doing the notes for them. That's obviously one of the biggest, uh, you know, bugbears and time consuming aspects of physio practice for sure. And you know, that's something that we've been focusing on a lot in our business using voice to text as well is a great solution mm-hmm. for that. And something we've also been built into, you know, use with our access system as well. So things that you said that you can use to save time uh, is always key, I think. So, I think you've given us some really good tips around, you know, the type of person we want to get in and some of those tasks that we might be able to start to delegate to free us up to do the key stuff that we're obviously good at and that we train at university for. But how do we go about hiring these people? So what are, you know, some of the different maybe structures we might use and, and what do you see as optimal for working, in, um, you know, in the health space? I think the first one is don't go for the cheapest person. Um, I think that is absolutely a uh, hurdle for a lot of people. People look at, okay, well, this is an administrative task. Um, therefore, uh, uh, therefore, I'm going to pay the cheapest I possibly can. Um, you know, uh, also, I think a lot of people, um, you know, they think they want young and hip staff or, um, you know, I would also consider looking at older staff members as well. You know, you, you people with a, a, f- a few years under their belt with a bit more confidence, you know, look at that at the same time as well. Um, I think that, that that sort of maturity and those years can, can really give you a, a bonus in terms of what they can bring to a, a company. Um, be explicit in your advertising. Um, you know, sit there and go, hey, we're looking for someone who can take a bit of an extra mile, who can, who can be an organiser, um, who can lead certain functions in the company, um, and, and spell those functions out. Um, you know, people get attracted to jobs where, um, you know, where they can do more, they can stretch their wings a bit more. So, you know, it always comes down to you advertising as well, because that, that becomes a, a, a point at which you will attract the right people um, if, uh, if, you've, if you've advertised it and done the right copy. Um, in terms of where you advertise, look, if you have good social media, you have, good, um, you have those good uh, channels, then please use them. But unfortunately, in this country, Seek is a, a virtual monopoly, and um, and people's eyes are always on Seek. So unfortunately, you've got to spend the money and 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 put it up. Yeah, no, it's, I think you're definitely spot on there. It's a definitely a good source of uh, finding people uh, in the industry. Now, I've been wanting to get you on here for a while, but the thing that's probably sped that up a little bit, and I appreciate you, you know, what's a very busy time for you at the minute, uh, jumping on the podcast today is to discuss, I guess, the current climate. I think this podcast will be really interesting to listen back to in 12 or 18 months' time, hopefully, when all this has passed. But we're talking, obviously, about the coronavirus, COVID-19, and probably people aren't looking to hire at the minute. You know, potentially there's some other issues in regards to HR and the team in the business. So I'm interested in some of your thoughts around, uh, you know, what are some short-term things we can do to maybe ease the pain of this current situation and climate that we're in? Yeah, look, it is very, very tough. Um, uh, there aren't a lot of options out there. So, you know, if you're feeling 
under the pump or you're feeling uh, a little bit cornered, understand that there are a lot of people in that same circumstance. And so, you know, the first thing is, you know, have a think about and, 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 and consider your own mental health. If you're a business owner or a manager, um, you know, that, uh, you know, do try and give yourself a little bit of breathing room and, and a bit of a break. Everyone is struggling. Uh, in terms of what you can do, look, your options, your options aren't great, but what they, but they, you do have them. So, um, you know, you can look at talking to your staff, trying to reduce those hours. Um, you can look at uh, standing down staff. And I'll go into detail each one of these um, uh, once I've gone through the list. Um, and then uh, finally, you can, you can look at redundancies as well. So starting from the start, um, you know, whilst people have contracted hours, um, you can still talk to them. If both parties agree to a changing contract, then you can change a contract. Um, so talking to your staff and going, look, this is what we're facing. This is the commercial reality. And, and also, by the way, be very um, frank with people about that commercial reality because they don't know. Just because you know, uh, business owners assume that their employees will have at least a general gist. They don't. They, they very rarely have a general gist. So you know, give them an understanding of the commercial reality of the organization. Um, be frank with them and just go, look, these are our options. You know, we need to reduce some hours in the short term um, with the view to increase them once we're past this. Um, uh, to try and save jobs. Um, if, if you're finding the next component there is to, to look at standing down. So standing down is a really unique um, uh, rule. Uh, in fact, you know, we, we only vaguely knew of it before COVID came along um, because in Victoria, we don't really um, suffer from too many natural disasters. Um, even when the fires came, um, they weren't really touching Melbourne itself. It was about rural Victoria. Um, so in a natural disaster circumstance, um, if you're unable to operate or you are unable to utilize individuals in your organization um, uh, usefully, um, in that particular circumstance of an emergency natural disaster, you may um, uh, stand down your employees. There's a couple of points to it. First off, when you stand down an employee, yes, you're fre freezing their payments, so you're not paying them any wages. However, the expectation is, is that um, you will, uh, the expectation is you will bring them, stand them back up. Um, uh, if you don't, then you have to go through a genuine redundancy process. And finally, um, and this is really important, is that people when they're stood down can actually take annual leave if they so wish. Uh, and they can take long service leave as well, which means that you could end up still paying people. So you just need to be conscious of that. And it does remove liabilities for laid down the track as well. So there are, you know, there are benefits to your, um, your balance sheet, um, but it is in terms of cash flow, you, you can result in still paying people. So would um, that apply in this current situation, given that yes. the government hasn't closed down um, the industry? Um, and they've declared a state of emergency. Okay. They've, they've declared a state of emergency. So absolutely, it still applies. Um, you know, if, there, if you have no clients walking through the door, like you know, customers walking through the door, um, because of this, then, you know, you, you, you could stand your employees down. Um, uh, and also, I, I think the reality is in this particular industry, when it comes to, to physiotherapy, the reality is, is that you're, you know, you can't stand 1.5 metres away from your, from your customers. So um, mm -hmm. it absolutely applies. Um, so, you know, the reality is that you are, to con when you're continuing to operate, um, you are really pushing the bounds of social distancing. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a, and I think, you know, unfortunately, we're going to see in the next 24 hours, um, probably some more announcements. Um, so what I would say is if the announcements go the way I think they are, 
Um, I don't think physiotherapy um, therapy clinics will be operating in, in 36 to 48 hours. Uh, it's just not going to be happening. Um, so uh, I think, uh, so that's one component. And then if say those, say those new rules do come in, then you would be uh, potentially standing down all your staff. Um, the next stage that you have um, is redundancies. So that's where um, you're making your employees, you're terminating them, but you're making them redundant. It's a very special type of termination. And it's saying that you can no longer hire them anymore. Their role is, is no longer useful. So um, COVID-19 is absolutely a reason to do that. Um, you know, that you can definitely utilize some redundancies. Um, there are going to be a lot of clinics going to be suffering. Um, and, you know, uh, so, you know, there's definitely capacity there to do redundancies, but just remember that when it comes to redundancies, um, you know, you, you may end up paying people out depending on how large you are. Um, and you also will have to pay them out all their accrued benefits. So that's long service leave if they've accrued it, but also annual leave as well. Yeah, no, I think there's some great tips here. I must admit, I think it's getting the policies are going the way that uh, that you've sort of described. So I think that's probably reassuring for some of the physio owners out there that there are some sort of steps to take and some processes to follow there. Um, obviously, Absolutely. off I think the... Also, off, oh, sorry. No, sorry, uh, apologies. I think um, uh, just as one thing, you know, I think there's a lot of um, government initiatives right now on the other side of the fence, which is the commercial, which is not where Melbourne HR specialises in. Um, but what I would say to people is rec what I would recommend is, is, is look at all of those and look at all these options that are presented now and see if you can patch them together into something. Um, uh, you know, I think that's really important as well. If you can patch it all together and go, okay, well, if I, if I stood my stand, my staff down now and I can get some, um, loan relief over here, um, then, okay, well now I start planning for a month's time or a month and a half's time for when the restart happens. Um, so, so definitely try and piece it all together a bit like a puzzle, you know, get all those elements and, and, and try and really assess the circumstances. Yeah. And when you're going about um, negotiating some of these things and the contracts with your team, do you have any tips for people out there on, you know, best ways to go yes. about that? Obviously this Look, is your year of specialty. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't, uh, don't go in there guns blazing. Um, uh, don't put a stop story on um, Australians and naturally very cynical people. Um, so don't, don't do that either. Um, just go in there and explain the circumstance. Just be very straight, um, explain the circumstance, um, and just go, look, the choices are we either cut hours, um, or we look at redundancies. Um, and, and you're, you're making a very clear distinction or very clear connection between this action, um, and what would happen if we don't take it. Um, you know, you're describing that it is a, 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 a requirement of survival, um, of the organization and, and, you know, people, you can either explain it to them or people will naturally understand that there may not be many jobs at the end of this process initially. Okay. Uh, as the economy bounds back, you know, they're not going to be a huge amount of jobs to start with. That's, it's going to take a little bit of time before it all expands out. So they really want to, you know, employees should be, um, uh, should be incentivized to maintain a connection with their organization. Yeah, I think there's some fantastic tips. So obviously we're going to be, you know, bouncing back on the other side and there is some, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, whenever that might of come. Course. What are the processes, I guess, someone would go about, you know, either getting their team, you know, back up to speed uh, or actually, you know, can they hire staff after they have made them redundant? You can, mm. um, you know, you can rehire staff, that's for sure. Um, but what I would probably do uh, in a practical sense is um, when you're choosing to get staff back together, 
do some of those little things, you know, take, get people to come together for lunch or even if it's a coffee, if you're, if you're uh, financially stretched, um, do something. No one's financially stretched so much that they can't take the team out for coffee. Um, so, um, you know, do those little things. Um, and because you want to rebuild that culture, rebuild that team, um, don't take it for granted. Um, uh, also, you know, maybe do some training sessions, get people back into the swing of things. Um, you know, take that extra time. Don't be, uh, don't think that people are going to be able to jump straight back into it um, without any type of refresher. You know, if, if they've been watching Netflix for two months, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of, you know, there's a lot of brains are going to be turned to toast. So, you know, you need to be, you know, you need to consider those things. Um, so, you know, think about it as a, a, a big team building exercise, not just an operational um, uh, a necessity of, of getting the, the commercial machine, you know, swinging, um, you know, uh, have put some effort into the people. Um, and, and it's just the little things. Don't try and, you know, don't try and take everyone out to, you know, a, a four Michelin hat restaurant or something like that. What, what you really want to do is, is do little things um, and build. Uh, I think when it comes to culture and building culture up, you want to, you have, you have something to prove to your people that you can actually build culture. And that means it's really important to start small and build that confidence in them that you have the capacity to build this team. I think there's some fantastic tips and reassuring tips, I think, for people out there in this difficult time. And I think that, you know, that calmness and that honesty approach that you've sort of recommended there is going to go a long way to helping people through these difficult times and having some of those, you know, um, difficult but unfortunately potentially going to be necessary conversations over the coming weeks and months. So we really appreciate uh, your time uh, and your advice there, Dave. This has obviously been very reassuring, but if someone does want some more reassurance or to make sure they're going down the right path um, through this process, uh, and then also on the other side in regards to rehiring and hiring a new team on the other side of this, how can they uh, you know, find out more about Melbourne HR and get help from you and the team? Well, typing Melbourne HR into Google is the, probably the fastest way. We, we do come up. Um, uh, some of our competitors do like to put in ads for Melbourne HR, I've noticed. Um, but if you scroll below the ads, you'll see our name and hopefully we'll be the number one ad anyway. Um, uh, but yeah, get in touch with us. Uh, very clear. You know, if people want to jump on the phone for 10, 15 minutes, we don't charge for it. Just give us a call. We'll have a chat with you. More than happy to. Um, uh, and, uh, and on the other side of this, if you want to help building your team up, uh, absolutely. If you're in the unfortunate circumstance that you need to do something, um, uh, a bit more drastic with your team, um, right now, feel free to jump on and we can, we can definitely talk you through it for 10 or 15 minutes. And then if you want, we can, we can help you execute as well. Um, uh, other than that, uh, I would say to people, um, you know, this is, uh, this is the bottom-ish of the valley. Um, but what's always proven is that in any uh, economic downturn, there is always an upturn. Uh, so, you know, it's about uh, coming out the other side uh, and those businesses that do come out the other side uh, and are still kicking at the end of this, um, they will be doing well. Um, you know, they, they absolutely will. It's, it's a proven um, that in fact, there, there used to be a saying that if you want to start a business, start it in a recession, um, because by the time you come out of the recession, um, you'll be lean, mean, you'll be a fighting machine, um, and uh, and you'll be taking on your competitors uh, and winning. So, some great positive words to leave us on there, Dave. Thank you very much for joining the Twenty First Century Physio Podcast, uh, and I'll make sure we put up all those links in the uh, blog post to the podcast. Thank you so much.
That's another 21st Century Physio podcast, proudly brought to you by Matt, innovators and world leaders in movement assessment technologies that bring your practice into the 21st century. For more great information and tips to bring your practice into the 21st century, head over to www.podcast.physio. Lastly, if you love the podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate and give a review on iTunes. It's very much appreciated. See you on the next episode.